CaviarCaviar.com. Treat yourself to a tasting at home, introducing Petite Caviar 101, Caviar Truffles and More, providing the world's best caviar for over 50 years. Sustainable caviar, seasonal delights, boutique grocery, family owned and operated, provide proud to have supply the highest quality caviar available for over 30 years. 100% sustainable caviar. Israeli oyster, Belgian oyster, Idaho white sturgeon, Siberian surgeon, paddlefish, Ikea, national overnight shipping, guaranteed national next day, overnight shipping Tuesday through Saturday, same day local pickup, local pickup, and curbside for Seattle ready within two hours, Monday through Saturday, next day local delivery, guaranteed next day local delivery for Seattle, Monday through Friday, shop for such items like Bellwether Forums, Farms Cream Fresh, Bessie's Blink, Gluten-Free Bessie's Blink, Black Truffle Butter, White Truffle Oil, La Brugilia, Yellowfin Fina Belly in Olive Oil, Russell's Original Spice Blend, Truffle Salt, Some Hosting and Wares as Mother of Pearl Caviar Spoon, Mother of Pearl Spoon with Blue Handle, Great Barrier Reef Petite Spoon with Pointed Tip, Round Mother of Pearl Palette, Caviar Presentoire with Sterling Band, Petite Mother Pearl Caviar Spoon, St. Hilaire Modern Caviar Presentoire, Fructus Saturn Silver Plated Caviar Cup, Homemade Recipes and More, Mint, mint Mink Potato Roasty with Caviar and Cream Fresh, Double Quill Eggs with Caviar, Blink with Buckwheat. Bartleby.com, an easier way to study hard. Ask a question, you have a homework question, and Bartleby subject matter experts have answers. Ask away. Most answers are answered in as fast as 30 minutes, and you'll be notified by email when your answer is ready. Find a solution. Proofread your paper. Bartleby's experts will look over your paper with their advanced grammar and spell checkers. Bartleby Learn access step-by-step solutions to millions of textbook problems on a searchable database of solutions to homework questions and subject matter experts on standby 24-7 when you're stuck. Bartleby Write. Write better right now. Scan for accidental plagiarism, check spelling and grammar and format citations correctly so you can spend less time writing and get the grade you want. Bartleby Tutor, 24-7 online tutoring service gives you personalized instruction you want and the flexibility you demand. With convenient options, you can find the best fit for your lifestyle and study habits. Bartleby Learn, search, solve, succeed. Study smarter with access to millions of step-by-step textbook solutions, a searchable digital database of homework solutions and subject matter experts on standby 24-7 to provide homework help when you need it. Subscribe and your first week is $4.99 after your first week subscription auto renews monthly to $9.99 USD or then then monthly current fee cancel anytime. Winning lineup of student tools, textbook solutions, millions of step-by-step solutions with thousands added daily in 30 subjects. Expert Q&A asks our experts your most troublesome homework or study questions anytime 
and receive a detailed solution in as fast as 30 minutes. 24-7 homework help. Bartleby subject matter experts, many with advanced degrees, are always on standby to ease your concerns and get, and get you back on track. Solution database. Homework solutions are easily searchable and constantly updated. Quickly find what you need, save it later, and access it from a mobile device. Try it today. Study on the go. Problems solved. Maximize your study time and get homework help anytime, anywhere with the Bottleby app. Ask or snap a homework question, search textbook solutions, and get an, get an answer notifications right from your device. Download it on the App Store or Google Play. Bartleby Wright. Compose with confidence. Quit staring at a blinking cursor. Easy, easier essay composition is right here with your new favorite plagiarism and grammar checker. Their all-in-one writing help tool is designed to reduce mistakes, improve writing habits, and transform OK essays into stellar ones so you can submit your paper with confidence all for only $9.99 a month. Try Bartleby Write 24-7 Personal Writing Tour. Plagiarism Checker. Bartleby will help you catch missing citations, accidental copied text, and other mistakes, giving you supreme confidence in your original work. Grammar Spell Checker. Author your own success story with writing help to eliminate mistakes. Early Scoring. Bartleby's Advanced Algorithm scans your paper and compares it to thousands of similar papers to produce a score before you turn it in. Citation assistance, whether it's MLA grammar checks or APA assistance, citing source in, in a cinch. Try it today. Bartleby Tutor, one-on-one -on -one tutoring on your schedule, whether it's a one-time question or a homework problem that needs a private study session. Solution, Bartleby's got you. Their team of live tutors are available 24-7. Get started today with a free 15-minute session on them. Find a tutor. Get a tutor on your computer. All tutoring sessions occur in real time via messaging or audio for easier collaboration and on the homework help, the textbook solutions, and more. 24-7 availability. Tutors are on demand day or night and accommodate your scale, school, and life balance. When you're ready to study, so is Bartleby. Flexible options. Don't pay for tutoring time you won't use. Buy 30, 60, 120 minute increments, whichever best fits your needs and didn't use all your minutes, roll them over to another session. Many subjects. Tutors are, on, are available on in over 20 subjects. Bartleby experts will help make sense of the toughest ex concepts in engineering, math, physics, business, and more. Find a tutor ready to get started. Sign up for 24-7 homework help now. Good morning. Here is chapter 10 of Laura, Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House in the Big Woods chapter titled Summertime. Now it was summertime and people went visiting. Sometimes Uncle Henry or Uncle George or Grandpa came riding out of the big woods to see Pa. Mom would come to the door and ask how all the folks were, and she would say, Charles is in the clearing. Then she would cook more dinner than usual, and dinner time would be longer. Pa and Ma and the visitor would, t would sit talking a little while before they went back to work. Sundays, Ma let Laura and Mary go across the road and down the hill to see Mrs. Peterson. The Petersons were just had just moved in. Their house was new and always very neat because Mrs. Peterson had no little girls to muss it up. She was a Swede and she let Laura and Mary look at the pretty things she had brought from Sweden. 
license and colored embroideries and china mrs pearson talked swedish to them and they talked english to her and they understood each other perfectly she always gave them each a cookie when they left and they nibbled the cookies very slowly while they walked home laura nibbled exactly half of hers and mary nibbly nibbled exactly half of hers and the other half they say for baby carrie then when they got home carrie had two half cookies and that was a whole cookie that wasn't right. All they wanted to do was divide the cookies fairly with Carrie. Still, if Mary saved half her cookie while Laura ate the whole of hers, or if Laura saved her saved half and Mary ate the whole, her whole cookie, that wouldn't be fair either. They didn't know what to do, so each saved half and gave it to baby Carrie. But they, <coughs> but they always felt that somehow that wasn't quite fair. Sometimes the neighbor went. Sometimes the neighbors sent word that the family was coming to spend the day. Then Ma did eat, did extra cleaning and cooking and opened a package of store sugar. And on the day set, a wagon would come driving up to the gate in the morning and there would be strange children to play with. When Mr. and Mrs. Holiat came, they brought Eva and Clarence with them. Eva was a pretty girl with dark eyes and black curls. She played carefully and kept her dress clean and smooth. Mary liked that, but Laura liked better to play with Clarence. Clarence was a red-headed and freckled and always laughing. His clothes were pretty, too. He wore a blue suit buttoned all the way up the front with bright gilt buttons and trimmed with braid, and he had copper-toed shoes. The strips of copper across the toes were so glittering bright that Laura wished she were a boy. Little girls didn't wear copper toes. Laura and Clarence ran and shouted and climbed trees while Mary and Eva walked nicely together and talked. Mrs. Ma and Mrs. Juliet visited and looked at Goldie's Lady's Book, which Mrs. Juliet had bought, brought, and Pa and Mr. Juliet looked at the horses and the crops and smoked their pipes. Once Aunt Lottie came to spend the day, that morning Laura had to stand still a long time while Ma unwound her, unwound her hair from the cloth strings and combed it into long curls. Mary was already sitting primly on a chair with her golden curls shining and her china blue dress fresh and crisp. Laura liked her own red dress, but Ma pulled her hair dreadfully, and it was brown instead of golden, so that no one noticed it. Everyone noticed and admired Mary's. There, Ma said at last, your hair is curled beautifully, and Lottie is coming. Run, to, run meet her, both of you, and ask her which she likes best, brown curls or golden curls. Laura and Mary ran out of the door and down the path for Aunt Lottie was already at the gate. Aunt Lottie was a big girl, much taller than Mary. Her dress was a beautiful pink, and she was swinging a pink sunbonnet by one string. What do you like best, Aunt Lottie? Mary asked. Brown curls or golden curls? Ma had told them to ask that, and Mary was a very good little girl who always did exactly as she was told. Laura waited to hear what Aunt Lottie would say, and fear, and she felt miserable. I like both kinds best, Aunt Lottie said, smiling. She took Laura and Mary by the hand, on one on either side, and they danced along to the door where Ma stood. The sunshine came streaming through the windows into the house, and everything was so neat and pretty. The table was covered with a red cloth, and the cook stove was paused shining black through the bedroom door. Laura could see the trundle bed in its place under the big bed. The pantry door stood wide open, giving the sight and smell of goodies on the shelves, and Black Susan came purring down the stairs from the attic where she had been taking a nap. 
It was also pleasant, and Laura felt so gay and good that no one would ever have thought she w could be as naughty as she was that evening. Aunt Lottie had gone, and Laura and Mary were tired and cross. They were at the woodpile gathering a pan of chips to kindle the fire in the morning. They always hated to pick up chips, but every day they had to do it. Tonight they hated it more than ever. Laura grabbed the biggest chip, and Mary said, I don't care. Aunt Lottie likes my hair best anyway. Golden hair is lots prettier than brown. Laura's throat welled, swelled tight, and she could not speak. She knew golden hair was prettier than brown. She couldn't speak, so she reached out quickly and slapped Mary's face. Then she heard Pa say, Come here, Laura. She went slowly, dragging her feet. Pa was sitting just beside, just inside the door and had seen her slap Mary. You remember, Pa said, I told you girls, you must never strike each other. Laura began, But Mary said, That makes no difference, said Pa. It is what I, it is what I say that you must mind. Then he took down a strap from the wall and he whipped Laura with a strap. Laura sat on a chair in the corner and sobbed. When she saw when she stopped sobbing, she sobbed. The only thing in the whole world to be glad about was that Mary had to fill the chip pan all by herself. At last, when it was getting dark, Paul said again, "Come here, Laura." His voice was kind, and when Laura came to came, he took her on his knee and hugged her close. She sat in the crook of his arm, her head against his shoulder, and his long brown whiskers parting partly covering her eyes, and everything was all right again. She told Pa all about it, and she asked him, You don't like golden hair better than brown, do you? Pa's blue eyes shone down, her, and, he, and he said, Well, Laura, my hair is brown. She had not thought of that. Pa's hair was brown, and his whiskers were brown, and she thought brown was a lovely color, but she was glad that Mary had to gather all the chips. In the summer evening, Pa did not tell stories or play the fiddle, Summer days were long, and he was tired after he had worked hard all day in the fields. Mom was busy, too. Laura and Mary helped her weed the garden, and they helped her feed the calves and the hens. They gathered the eggs, and they helped make cheese. When the grass was tall and thick in the woods, and the cows were giving plenty of milk, that was time to make cheese. Somebody must kill a calf, for cheese could not be made without rennet, and rennet is a lining of a young calf's stomach. The calf, the calf must be very young so that it had never eaten anything but milk. Laura was afraid that Pa must kill one of the cow, one of the little calves in the barn. They were so sweet. One was fawn-colored and one was red, and their hair was so soft and their large eyes so wondering. Laura's heart beat fast when Ma talked to Pa about making cheese. Pa would not kill either of his calves because they were heifers and would grow into cows. He went to Grandpa's and to Uncle Henry's to talk about cheese making, and Uncle Henry said he would kill one of his calves. There would be enough rennet for Aunt Polly and Grandma and Ma. So when, so Paul went again to Uncle Henry's and came back with a piece of the little calf's stomach. It was like a piece of soft grayish white leather, all ridged and rough on one side. When the cows were milked at night, Ma set the milk away in pans. In the morning, she skimmed off the cream to make into butter later. Then when the morning's milk had cooled, she mixed it with skim milk and set it all on the stove to eat. To heat. A bit of the rennet tied in a cloth was soaking in warm water. When the milk was heating enough, Ma squeezed every drop of water from the rennet 
in the cloth, and when and then she poured the water into the milk. She stirred it well and left it in a warm place by the stove. In a little while, it thickened into a smooth, quivering mass with a long knife. I'll cut this mass into little squares and let it stand while the curd separated from the whey. Then she poured it in, poured it all into a cloth and let the thin yellowish whey drain out. When no more whey dripped from the cloth, Ma emptied the curd into a big pan and salted it, turning and mixing it well. Laura and Mary were always there helping all they could. They loved to eat bits of the curd when Ma was salting it. It squeaked in their teeth. Under the cherry tree outside the back door, Pa put up a up the board to press the cheese on. He had cut two groves the length of the board and laid the board on the blocks, one end a little higher than the other. Under the lower end stood an empty pail. Ma put her wooden cheese hoop on the board, spread a clean wet cloth all over the inside of it, and filled it heaping with full of the chunks of salted curd. She covered this with another clean wet cloth and laid on top of it, a sound board cut small enough to go inside the cheese hoop. Then she lifted a heavy rock on top of the board. All day long, the round board settled slowly under the weight of the rock, and they pressed out and ran down the grooves of the board into the pail. Next morning, Ma would take out the round and pale yellow cheese as large as a milk pan. Then she made more curd and filled the cheese hoop again. Every morning, she took the new cheese out of the press and trimmed it smoothly. She sewed the cloth tightly around it and rubbed the cloth all over the fresh butter. Then she put the cheese on the shelf into the pantry. Every day she wiped every cheese carefully with a wet cloth and rubbed it all over with fresh butter once more and laid it down on its other side. After a great many days the cheese was ripe. There was a hard rind all over it. Then Ma wrapped each cheese in paper and laid it away on the high shelf. There was nothing more to do with it but eat it. Laura and Mary liked cheese making. They liked to eat the curd that squeaked in their teeth, and they liked to eat the edges Ma pared off their big round yellow cheeses to make them smooth before she sewed them up in the cloth. Ma laughed at them for making. Ma laughed at them for eating green cheese. The moon is made of green cheese. Some people say, she told them, the new cheese did look like the round moon when it came up behind the trees, but it was not green, it was yellow like the moon. It's green, Ma said, because it isn't ripened yet. When it's cured and ripened, it won't be green cheese. Is the moon really made of green cheese, Laura asked, and Ma laughed. I think I think people say that because it looks like a green cheese, she said, but appearances are deceiving. Then while she wiped all the green cheeses and rubbed them with butter, she told them about the dead, cold moon that it, it is like a little world on which nothing grows. The first day, Ma made cheese. Laura tasted the way. She tasted it without saying anything to Ma, and when Ma turned around and saw her face, Ma laughed. That night, while she was washing the supper dishes and Mary and Laura were wiping them, Ma told Pa that Laura had tasted the way and didn't like it. You wouldn't starve to death on Ma's way like old Grimes did on his wives, Pa said. Laura begged him to tell her about old Grimes, so though Paul was tired, he took his fiddle out of his box and played the same for Laura. Old Grimes was dead, that tall, good, that good old man, we ne'er shall see him more. He used to wear an old gray coat all buttoned down before. Old Grimes' wife made skim milk cheese. Old Grimes, he drank the whey. There he came to, 
east wind from the west and blew old Grimes away. There you have it, said Pa. She wasn't a mean, tight-fisted woman. If she hadn't skimmed out of the milk, a little cream would have run off in the way and old Grimes might have staggered along. But she skimmed off every bit of cream and poor old Grimes got so thin the wind blew him away. Plum starved to death. Then Ma, then Pa looked at Ma and said, Nobody starved to death when you were around, Carolyn. Well, no, Ma said. No, Charles, not if you were there to provide for us. Pa was pleased. It was also pleasant. The doors and windows set wide open to the summer evening, the dishes making little cheerful sounds together as Ma washed them and Mary and Laura wiped them and Pa putting away the fiddle and smiling and whistling softly to himself. After a while, I said, I'm going over to Henry's tomorrow morning, Carolyn, to borrow his grubbing hoe. Those sprouts were, are getting whisked high around the stumps in the wheat field. <coughs> a, man had, a man just has to keep everlasting at it or the woods, woods will take back the place. Early next morning, he started to walk to Uncle Henry's, but before long he came hurrying back, he hitched his horses, he hitched the horses to the wagon, threw in his axe, the two wash tubs, the wash boiler, and all the pills and wooden buckets were there. I don't know if I'll need them all, Carolyn, he said, but I'd hate to want him and not have them. Oh, what is it? What is it? Laura asked, jumping up and down with excitement. Pa's found a bee tree, Ma said. Maybe he'll bring us some honey. It was noon before Pa came driving home. Laura had been watching for him, and he ran out to the wagon as soon as it stopped by the barnyard, but he, she could not see into it. Pa, cared her, pa called Carolyn. Pa called. Carolyn, if you'll come... If you'll come take this pillow, honey, I'll go on hitch. Ma came out to the wagon disappointed. She said, well, Charles, even a, even a pillow of honey is something. Then she looked into the wagon and threw up her hands. Pa laughed. All the, all the pails and buckets were steeping full of dripping golden honeycomb. Both tubs were full, were piled full, and so was the wash boiler. Pa and Ma went back and forth carrying the two loaded tubs and the wash boiler and all the buckets and pails into the house. Ma heaved a plate high with the golden pieces all covered, all the rest, all the rest neatly with cloths. For dinner, they all had as much of the delicious honey as they could eat, and Pa told them how he found the bee tree. I didn't take my gun, he said, because I wasn't hunting, and now it's summer, there wasn't much danger of meeting trouble. Panthers and bears are so fat this time of year that they're lazy and good-natured. Well, I look. Well, I took a short cut through the big woods, and I nearly ran into a big bear. I came around a clump of underbrush, and there he was not. And there he was not as far from me as across this room. He looked around at me, and I guess he didn't. And I guess he saw I didn't have a gun. Anyway, he didn't pay any any more attention to me. He was standing at the foot of a big tree, and the bees were buzzing all around him. They couldn't sting him through a thick fur, and he kept brushing them away. With, from his head with one paw. I stood there watching him and he put the other paw into a hole in the tree and drew out all the dripping with honey. He licked the honey off his paw and reached in for more, but by the time I had found me a club, I wanted that honey myself. So I made a great racket, banging the club against the tree and yelling the bear was so fat and so full of honey that he just dropped on all fours and waddled off among the trees. I chased him some distance. He got and got him going fast, away from the bee tree, and then I came back for the wagon. Laura asked him how he got the honey away from the bees. 
That was easy, Pa said. I left the horses back in the woods where they wouldn't get stung, and then I chopped the tree down and split it open. Didn't the bees sting you? No, said Pa. Bees never sting me. The whole, tre the whole tree was hollow and filled from the top to bottom with honey. The bees must have been storing the honey there for years. Some of it was old and dark, but I guess I got enough good clean honey to last us a long time. Laura was sorry for the poor bees, she said. They work so hard, now they won't have any honey. But Pa said there was lots of honey left for the bees, and there was another large hollow tree nearby which into it which they could move. He said it was time they had a clean new home. They would take the old honey he had left into the, in the old tree, make it into fresh new honey, and store it in a new house. They would save every drop of the spilled honey and put it away, and they would have plenty of honey again long before winter came. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Laura Ingalls Wilder's Little House in the Big Woods, uh, Summertime. Have a good week. Stay safe during this coronavirus pandemic that extends into apparently 2022. As the court to Norris and Alvax is out, and as always, thank you for listening.